leaving. I'm not leaving. And some of you are going, oh, no, I'm not leaving. But I'm looking on a, I'm, I'm dealing with a topic, um, and it came from a dream that I had. So we're going to be in the book of Genesis 12, 1 through 5. Let's see, um, and uh, Daniel, you're good, they're good, they need some help, you tell me. Okay, so Genesis 12, 1 through the 5, the Bible says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, or Haran. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. So let me tell you how I got here. I woke up the other night thinking about the word leave. Have you ever been like halfway in sleep and halfway coming out to awake and all of a sudden you're in that little in-between? And I kept, I was thinking, I just remember waking up with the word leave and I had this context in my dream of Abraham being told by God to leave his country, to leave his kindred, and to leave his father's house to go to the land that he was going to show him. Now, as I thought about it, I began to think that God was trying to show me something. Because sometimes it is something, and sometimes it's not, and uh, you just kind of got to figure that out. But it reminded me of a message I preached a long time ago, and uh, basically it was called sometimes, and I just kind of uh, kind of threw a little bit about that out here just a minute ago, is sometimes uh, to go forward, you got to begin by going backward. And the gist of the message that I preached was centered around the idea of me back in my car. I was going to go somewhere, but in order to go somewhere, I had to back out of my driveway. So if you caught me in the middle of backing out of my driveway, you might think I was going backward. But I really wasn't going backwards. I'm going forward. I just had to reposition myself so that I could get to where I was going. Because the minute I got the idea I was going to go to HEB or Walmart wherever where I was going to go on a trip, I was going forward to that destination. But in, but in order to get forward, I had to reposition my car, and reposition, repositioning my car meant that I had to go backwards to reposition it so I could go forwards, but the whole context of what I was doing is I was going forward. Sometimes to go forward in life requires that we leave things behind. It may seem like we're losing something, but in reality, we're in the overall context actually gaining something. With that in mind, let's look a few moments at, at, at things that, like Abraham, we might be called to leave as we follow after God's will for our life. So the first point I want to look at is oftentimes you will be required to leave your present situation. In Genesis 12 and 1, again, the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your kindred, your father's house to the land that I will show you. And if you were jump down to verse 4, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him. So he left the things, most of the things God told him to leave behind. The things he didn't leave caused him problems later on down the road. Yeah. But he did start to leave as God told him and Lot went with him. And he was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. By the way, if you happen to be an elderly person, you might think, well, that's not for me. 
that's for somebody else. I want to tell you something. Abraham began his journey at 75. Okay? So, if you got a problem, take it up with Abraham one day. In order to experience the blessings of God, Abraham needed to leave the present situation that he found himself in. In this case, he needed to leave his country, his kindred, and his father's house. Now, we kind of understand this principle because we also know that in order to gain uh, uh, the, the, what we would say, the, the, the fruitfulness of life that comes through marriage, we also have to leave some things behind. To experience the joys of God's blessings and the fruitfulness of marriage and children, we know that we must leave our present situations. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So, in order to experience the joys of having a family, you've got to leave your present family to start your new family. Right? Now, You've got to leave some things behind. But the reality is, leaving those things behind is not something that you're really leaving. You're not leaving and losing something. You're really gaining something. And the people that are being left behind, they're not really losing something. They're investing into something else. Because what they're letting go is going to become something greater down the road. If you want to have kids, and I mean, you want to have grandkids and great-grandkids, you've got to let your children go and start their own families. If you try to keep them next to you and don't let them go, well, you might enjoy them for a long time, but you're not going to enjoy the fruitfulness of, of kid, grandkids and great-grandkids and all that kind of stuff. Because in order to gain, you've got to be willing to let some things go. And in, in the context of what we're looking here, if you want to have all that God has for you, you've got to leave your present situation behind in order to attain what God has for you yeah. in life. So that we see that in marriage, but oftentimes to follow after Christ means that we must leave our family's belief systems and our family customs and practices behind. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew 10, 34-39, Jesus said, Do not think I've come to bring peace to the earth, I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loses father or mother more than me is not worth. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Now, oftentimes what will happen is, when I'll just tell you my own scenario. I think I talked about it about a week or two ago. But the reality was, uh, when I started going to church, I never had a problem. My parents never created a problem until I made a commitment to the Lord. When I made a commitment to Jesus at the church I was going to, I came back and I said, Mom, Dad, I I accepted Christ in my life. I just got saved. And all of a sudden they said to me, they informed me of something I didn't know before. They said, you're Catholic. (laughs) In other words, that's an obstacle to what you want to do. But I didn't see it. Thankfully, the Lord gave me some wisdom. There's nothing wrong with being Catholic or Protestant. What's important is that you know Jesus. But I found Jesus not in being Catholic. I found Jesus in the church that I attended to where they preached the gospel to me. See, being Catholic was something we identified with, but it's not something we practice. 
Yeah. It's not something we did. We were Catholic because our family was Catholic. This is our the, our family line. But it wasn't something that we uh, actually uh, followed through with in line until I decided to go a different direction. Then all of a sudden I was informed, you're going to be leaving your family heritage. You're going to be leaving who we are. Some of you know, you go to Pentecostal church and all of a sudden you found out, well, we're Baptists. Okay, okay, so what am I going to do now? You know, and I'm not asking you to leave denominations, really, because this can apply towards other religions. Well, I want to become a Christian. Well, you're a, you're a Muslim, or you're, a, you're a, a Buddhist, or you're a Taoist, or you're all these different things. You can't be a Christian if you're these things. And the reality is you're going to have to make a decision. And in order to gain what Christ is offering me, I'm going to have to leave some things behind. Yeah. And you say, well, God will never ask you to leave anything behind. It's not the God that I read about in the Bible. Jesus said, he that would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after me. And you can't be, uh, uh, you can't be this and that. You can't be uh, Hindu and Christian at the same time. You can't be Muslim and Christian at the same time. You can't be New Age and Christian at the same time. You can't be lukewarm and a follower and a disciple of Christ at the same time. You gotta be all in or you're not in at all. You gotta deny and leave some things behind if you're gonna follow after Christ. You understand what I'm saying? You, 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 and, and so, in order to follow after Christ, it may mean that we have to leave some things that our family has practiced for centuries or, or, or family lines. We've got to leave it behind in order to gain something. You've got to remember the context is not losing, the context is to gain. Following after Christ may also mean we have to leave our present situations as far as our occupations or career is in store. In Luke 5, 27-28, uh, Jesus went and he saw a tax collector named Levi or Matthew sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow after me. And here's the interesting thing. Leaving everything, he rose and followed after Jesus. Now we're not all called to leave everything, our occupations, and all these kind of things to follow after Jesus. But if you have a calling on your life, it may mean that you've got to leave your present occupation, your present career, whatever it is that God is uh, that you are doing in life, in order to follow after Jesus. Now He doesn't make you, He doesn't force you, He doesn't twist your arm behind your back. He will issue an, a call, but it's up to us whether or not we're going to choose to follow after what Jesus has for us in life. And I want to tell you something, that you're not the only one that's had to make that decision. Many, many people have had to make that decision. And again, I can't talk about other people's lives. I can only talk about mine. I know that when I was a teenager, I was a pretty, uh, um, my parents thought I was pretty smart. I'm not sure if anybody else did. Uh, but you know, your parents think that you hung the moon. It doesn't matter how they look at you. They said, you're smart. You should be a doctor. You should be a lawyer. You should be something that makes a lot of money in life. And you know what? Uh, because I didn't know any better, that's okay. I guess I should be a doctor. I should be a lawyer. I should be something where I can take care of myself in life. Uh, the, but the reality is I found no meaning in those things in life. I mean, to me, you know, a doctor, my parents were thinking in terms of career, paycheck, all that kind of stuff. I thought in terms of meaning. It doesn't bring fulfillment. doesn't bring meaning to my life. And then when I got saved, not only did I give my life to the Lord, but the Lord issued a call in my life, and He basically said, I have a different plan for you. In order to find 
my plan in life, you're going to have to leave any other plans that you might have. So if you wanted to be a doctor, you can choose that, but you can't do that and follow after what I want for you in life. If you want to be a lawyer, you can do that, but you can't do that and follow and fulfill what I want to do for you in life. In order to have what I have for you, you're going to have to leave these things behind. And I want you to know that I didn't have a problem choosing the Lord because He was the one that gave me purpose and meaning in life. Now, I did leave these things behind, but I've been serving God since 1985 and I want to tell you something there's no question in my mind that I did the right thing I don't regret it at all now sometimes you know when you look in your pocketbook and you don't have what everybody else has you kind of go okay Lord you know (laughs) Uh, but the reality is what I've gained following after Christ I can have a full pocketbook and have a lousy life a terrible family situation I can be uh, uh, you know I could be looking around and locked up in a mental hospital or or having to go to a liver specialist you know because I've dropped myself into a stupor for the rest of my life or having to get a lung transplant or a liver transplant or whatever the case may be because I chose what I wanted and not what God wanted for me I want to tell you something I've enjoyed God, the life that God has called me into. I've enjoyed doing what He's asked me to do. I find a lot of purpose, fulfillment in it. So as far as I'm concerned, I've lost nothing. But I've gained everything. Following after Christ may mean we have to leave our present situations where riches are concerned. Anything that has a hole in our lives and prevents us from following Him must be submitted to Him. Luke 18, 18-23, a rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, All these I've kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. And Jesus always knows what we haven't submitted to Him. This is the thing that's going to keep you from following after me. This is the thing that has lordship in your life that determines what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. And this is the thing you're going to have to submit to Him. And Jesus heard, He said, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when this man heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. And you see, it might not be your wealth that keeps you from Jesus, but something may be keeping you from Him. And whatever it is that's keeping you from Him, it will, you will require, be required to submit that to Him, to leave it behind. It doesn't mean that like the rich man, you have to sell it all and give it to Jesus, but its influence in your life has to become nothing compared to the influence that the Word of God has in your life. Amen? I want us to remember that the point of leaving is not to focus on what you're giving up, but on what you will be gaining in return. Matthew 13, 44-46 says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has, and he goes back and he buys that field. It's not about what you lost, it's about what you gained. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of, and the context is of the greatest value went and sold all that he had and then he came back and he bought that pearl. So you're not, 
in some sense, you are losing what you have, but the reason that you're getting rid of what you have is so that you can gain something of a worthless price. I mean, not worthless, but so much value and so much worth. Yeah. There's no way that you can put a price on it, but Jesus is saying, if you come after Him, He is the pearl of great Hallelujah. price. Amen? Amen. So, sometimes you've got to leave your present situations, and some, and, and, but it also calls us to leave our past behaviors. When you serve the Lord, you can't live like you used to live. That's right. That's right. There has to be change in your life. In Matthew 16, 24-25, Jesus told His disciples, again, if anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow after Me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for My sake will find it. Many people today buy into the idea, and unfortunately they've been taught this idea, that they can say a prayer and become a Christian and keep living the way they always live. Come on. Come on. In order to follow after Christ, however, they must die to their present way of life yeah. and take up their cross and follow Him into His way of living. Hallelujah. A lot of people didn't say, well, I don't have to do that. I can be a Christian and do this. Well, you're the one that's making that decision, not Jesus. See, we got to go back to the manual. we got to go back to what Jesus said. And Jesus said, if you want to follow after Me, you can choose to do whatever you want. But if you want to follow after Me, this is what it means. You're going to have to deny your past way of life. You're going to have to renounce that way of life. And you're going to have to take up your cross and follow Me. And by the way, He didn't say, and I will follow you. He says, you're going to have to follow Me. In other words, God leads, Jesus leads, we follow. Too many people want to live the Christian life this way. God, come into my life. I lead, you follow. But that's not the Christian life. That is the modern Christian life, but it is not the biblical Christian life. The reason Christianity doesn't work is because we keep trying to get Jesus, the Lord, the Creator of the universe, do what we want. And it doesn't work that way. The only way the Christian life works is when we submit our wants to His wants and live life His way. But in order to live life His way, you're going to have to leave some of your ways behind. You don't have to stop drinking to be a Christian. You don't have to stop smoking to be a Christian. You can keep living in sin uh, you know, as you live together committing fornication without being married and be a Christian. That's kind of the modern Christian life. The yeah. lie that's being promoted, but it's not true. That's right. If you're going to become a Christian, it means you're going to have to make some changes yeah. in your life. If you're living together before you get saved, that's one thing before you get saved. There's no expectations on your life. But once you get saved, something needs to change in your life. Come on. Yeah. Either you're going to have to get married or you're going to have to say this isn't going to work. Yeah. Because you cannot live that way and call yourself a Christian. You can live that way, but you can't say I'm good with God and live that way. You can't do both. Now if you're the Creator and you're the one that makes the way, uh, all the rules and you're going to be on the judgment seat at the final day, then that's okay. You can do that. But from what I read, you're not going to be on the judgment seat. God's going to be on the judgment seat. Romans 6, 1-11 What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Grace does not give you permission to sin. Grace empowers you to get out of sin. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? By the way, this is Romans 6, 1-11 
We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We, I'm a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Why do I want to become a new person and go back and live like the old person? Why do I want to become a new creation in Christ and go back and live what Christ redeemed me out of? Right? If I was a pig wallowing in its mire and Jesus made me into something different, I'm no longer a pig. Why do I want to go back and live with the pigs? Well, I never saw it that way before. Well, that's why we're trying to teach you what God teaches so that you don't see it that way. You see things the way He sees it. For if we, by the glory of, uh, if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought into nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves, He's talking to Christians, dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I still get a kick out of people's reasonings today. I'm sure it's happened all throughout Christendom. But it's kind of like people say to themselves by the questions they ask you, what is the least amount I can do and go to heaven? Can I be a Christian and still drink? Can I be a Christian and still smoke? Can I be a Christian and still do these sinful behavior? And they're kind of saying like, I want to be a Christian, but I don't really want to leave all these things behind. And what I'm trying to get you to realize is that in order to be a Christian, you have to leave all these things behind. If you can't leave these things behind, then you need to reconsider whether you really want to be a Christian. This is not me. This is what I feel like the Bible teaches. I want all of y'all to be a Christian. Yeah. Uh, let's get this clear. I want everyone to accept Christ. Yeah. I want everyone to live for Him and have the joys of knowing Him. Yes. But, yes. but I want you to come in with the reality of the idea that it's not, hey, just say this prayer and it doesn't matter how you live. No, you're going to have to leave some things behind. You have to actually renounce your old way of living in order to embrace God's way of living. You can't have both. you got to live one way or the other. Am I being too blunt for you? No. Okay. Philippians 3, 7-11. through 11, Paul says, Whatever gain I have, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And I want to tell you something. Paul lost a lot. Yes, he did. He lost influence. He lost prominence. He lost wealth. He lost uh, relationships. He lost his family. He lost his uh, uh, freedom. But he says, I counted all as lost in order that I may gain Christ. For His sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own. I'm sorry. I think about the things that I've lost. And I'm grateful that I did. my inheritance was pulling on me. 
and it's causing me to have a double mind. God wanted me here, and I wanted to be somewhere else, and I thought, well, that, I've got this house, and it's paid for, and this is where God wants me to be. And it wasn't until I gave it up. I wasn't just giving up a house. It wasn't an inexpensive house. It was, it was a pretty expensive house. It was my inheritance. But it was the best thing I ever did. Because I'm no longer double-minded. Yeah. It's no longer pulling on me to go in a direction that God doesn't want me to go. Yeah. Yeah. You see, what I told you before, in order to be blessed, you got to come into alignment. you got to come into alignment with what God wants for your life. And sometimes what God wants for your life is different than what you want for your life. And I'm going to skip the third point and go to the last point. And the last point is this. Sometimes in order to have God's best for your life, you've got to leave your personal desires. And we're not talking about sinful desires. Sometimes what we're talking about, we're talking about good desires, but they're not godly desires. Not everything that's good is God. There were two trees in the garden. There was the tree of the uh, the tree of eternal life, and there was the tree of the knowledge of evil. Is that true? No, it was the tree of the knowledge of there is a good that's not God. And sometimes the good that we're planning on is not necessarily a bad thing. But if it's not what God wants for your life, then it's not a God thing. Paul had a desire to minister to the Jews. Everywhere he said, when I return to Jerusalem, Acts 22, 17, uh, 17 through 21, Paul says, when I returned to Jerusalem, was praying in the temple, I fell into a trench and saw the Lord saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not, not accept your testimony about me. He's talking about his Jewish brethren, the Israelites. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned them and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And God said to me, go, because I'm not sending context. I'm not sending you to the Jewish people. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. But here's Paul's heart. Romans 9, 3-5. Because I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. They are Israelites. To them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen. You see, God, uh, Paul had in his heart for the Jewish people. It was his heart. It was his desire. It's what he wanted. He wanted to reach them. And everywhere he went, he kept trying to go to them first. But every time he did that, he got beat. He got whipped. He got stoned. It didn't work because God didn't send him to the Jews. God sent him to the Gentiles. And sometimes God sends you to those that may not necessarily be where you want to go. It may even not be the desire of your heart, but it has nothing to do whether it's the desire of your heart. It has to do with where is God sending you? Where is God leading you to? And to say that, well, God would never lead me to something that is not is against my desires is not biblical. It's not about what I want. It's about what He wants. I don't think Jesus desired to go to the cross. But He went to the cross because it was His purpose. It's what He was sent for. And we are called to go where God leads us, not where we want. Now, it's okay if your wants line up with His leading, but sometimes His leadings don't line up with our wants. Who's going to win out? Sometimes I've got to leave 
my wants, my desires to pick up His. But I promise you that if you will pick up His, that His desires, His leadings will lead to what will bring the greatest amount of purpose and fulfillment in life because you're fulfilling what He created you to do. Hallelujah. Yeah. You were created by God on purpose for a purpose. To fulfill His call, His desire, His destiny in your life. And in order to have some things in life, you've got to leave some things behind. I've used this illustration before, but it's we understand it in the natural realm. We always uh, uh, rebel against it when it comes spiritually to the things of God. But listen, when you go to school... When you go to college, if you go to college, college is a broad spectrum of things that you can do. In college, you have all these different things that you can take. You can take botany. You can take math. You can take science. You can take art. You can take music. You can take all these things in, in, in college. And if you're not careful, if you have no vision, if you have no purpose, you will take everything you want, but you'll have all these hours and attain nothing. In order to accomplish something, you have to leave some things behind. Well, I like music, but I'm not studying to be a musician. I'm studying to be a preacher. I'm studying to be an engineer. I'm studying to be this. Well, I don't have any room in my electives for this, so I'm going to have to leave it behind. Because if I want to attain what God has for me, I know that I'm going to have to leave some things, even though they're good things, I'm going to have to say no to them in order to embrace what's best for me. And I know that the theme here this morning has been about leaving. And I know the Lord is speaking to people about leaving some things behind. Whether it be leaving some of the past behaviors behind. Leaving some of the things that are keeping you bound. Leaving some lifestyles behind. Maybe even leaving some family uh, 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 wants and desires to embrace the leadings of God in your life. But what I want to remind you of is it's really not about leaving. It's about gaining. There's a scripture that says in the Psalms 126, 5-6, it says, Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. He said, well, I don't understand that scripture. Well, let me give you a little context and we're done. And then then we're going to wrap this thing up here. So, when you don't have a lot, seed is your food. Corn that you eat is also seed that you plant. Not in today's culture, not in today's agricultural society where you got to go buy your seed. No, it used to be that your crop was also your seed. And whatever you harvested is what you were going to eat. Now, here's the thing. If you don't have a lot... Sometimes you have to deny your present in order to secure your future. You have to say no to some things today in order to have an experience of fruitfulness in in the morrow. So here you have your seed and you have a choice. Well, I'm hungry. So am I going to eat my seed? Well, I can be happy today, but I'm going to be sad tomorrow. But in order to have a harvest of okra tomorrow, (laughs) 
I've got to say no to some things today. And if you're hungry, it's hard to take your food and plant it in the ground. It's hard to say no to your children who are hungry and say, you can't eat this. We've got to plant it for tomorrow. So you're sowing in tears, but you're not sowing to lose something. You're sowing to gain something. Those who sow in tears, the Bible says, God says, you will reap with shouts of joy. 